that is not how I wanted that to go. It's not how any of us wanted that to go. Vikings lose 31-24 in the wild card round. Ends what was truly a special season. So uh, let's pay it homage by breaking down that final game and talking about the season as a whole. Welcome to the Locked on Vikings podcast. You are Locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome in to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thanks so much for making Locked On Vikings first listen of the day. You can, of course, find the show on Amazon Fire or Roku if you download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Uh, today's eulogy is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Just pick two to five of your favorite players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you go up to ten times your money on entry. First-time users receive a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to hundred bucks if they just enter promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On. Thirty-one twenty-four is the final score of this game. Feels pretty appropriate. Um, the Vikings got out. Played. That's the headline here. There was nothing special about it. There were no fluky, weird plays. There wasn't anything like what happened in the Ravens game or uh, any kind of weird tipped balls. There's one tipped ball. It was almost caught, turned out to be incomplete. It, it was a very straight up game. And the Vikings got straight up beat. No two ways about that. So that's off to the Giants. Good luck in Philly. Um, but focusing on kind of what went wrong here. I mean, it, we have to start with the defense. So we'll talk about the defense, and then we'll, we'll get into some of the offensive stuff too, the final play and all that, and then uh, just talk about, you know, the 2022 season as a whole and what it means and wh- what we can take from it. But we got to start with what in the heck happened on defense because that was honestly might have been their worst game of the year. And they've had some stinkers. They have they have had, I mean, the Dallas game where they lose by 40, the Lambeau game where they lose the, where they let them put up 40 that that was a catastrophe game um or i guess in lambo they they there was some defensive stuff but still terrible game right um this game was i mean every drive started behind the 25 it wasn't like with the colts where if you remember when i when i went over the colts game i was kind of like you know every time the, the colts scored it was kind of that they got a short field maybe the defense had a good day nothing like that today Everything was the 25 or even from the seven, you know, even with good field position. Ryan Wright had a great game punting the the Giants back when he did punt. And the Vikings just couldn't get a stop. It was getting destroyed in the trenches. This was a one to forget for Harrison Phillips. Um, maybe Dalvin Tomlinson, too. I didn't notice him getting washed out specifically as much, but maybe I just didn't see it. Um, everybody on the edges, everybody in the depth. I mean, the, the, the trenches were a disaster. No two ways about it. No excuses, nothing. They just played like crap, and it showed. And you got no pressure on Daniel Jones. If they ever did get pressure, Daniel Jones did a great job of of, of getting out of, of the pocket and the scrambling. He had almost 100 rushing yards on the day. You cannot let that happen to a quarterback who you know runs. 
there were no spies. And so now we got to call the coaching into question, which I'll give me a sec on that. Um, and the overall result, which you give up like 431 yards, honestly kind of feels like it undersells how bad the Vikings defense was. They, after the first two drives, the Giants were averaging 19 yards a play. You cannot let them come out of the game like that. Like come out and just punch you in the mouth like that. Everyone got beat. Patrick Peterson got beat. Duke Shelley got beat. The safeties played bad. The linebackers were way too slow to the outside. And I don't know. It, it felt like everything they tried didn't work. They even tried that in the second half. The adjustment that Ed Donatel tried to make was they started blitzing a ton. Every blitz got destroyed. So it's just out of the frying pan and into the fire with, with some of these. And that's the kind of the thing when you say, well, where were the second half adjustments? Well, they were there. They got beat too. Everything sucked because everyone sucked. And everyone should, should look in the mirror and feel bad. They should feel bad. That's the way that that, that the defense should be. Um, so that brings us, I guess, to the Ed Donato thing, right? And I've been talking about this this offseason or this season all year. And my point has kind of been like, look, if you cycle through a whole bunch of coordinators, eventually, you know, you, you are, it, it takes years, many years for you to really get comfortable in a system, right? And you got guys like Kendricks and Harrison Smith and Hunter who've been playing in the same system for eight years. They're very comfortable. Now they're not comfortable and it shows. Um, we've talked about that a lot, even over the course of an entire season. It's, you don't really, you're preparing game plans for like for the coming team all year. Um, the first year is just going to have this stuff, right? And that's not an ex- to excuse Donatello at all, because I do think that he and his staff did a poor job of teaching it and of preparing these players. I mean, Eric Kendricks is not a bad reader, but he was a bad reader this year. That's unusual for him. And it tells me that something didn't, he, he wasn't, they, they didn't make it uh, an environment where he could become comfortable. And it shouldn't be that hard to make an environment where Eric Kendricks can be comfortable. He's an incredibly smart player. Same with Smith, same with Hunter. Um, guys like Bynum and Metellus and Patrick Peterson, you know, these guys that are, are smart players, known to be heady players, shouldn't be struggling this much. And, that, and that's on the staff. Um, but... We, we all agree it's a problem, right? I mean, the defense is terrible. Nobody's going to be like, actually, the defense is secretly good. The thing is, okay, we all agree it's a problem. What's the solution for it? And if you want to talk about firing guys, to, to me, it's like, okay, how does what is the world where that fixes the problem? And I don't need people to, to give me specific names. What's your replacement? Come on. But, but what is the kind of guy you're looking for then? Are you looking for a new scheme? I am not a fan of that. I, I get that this Fangio scheme did not do well this year really anywhere. Um, but I think if you give these guys a year two with the same general structure, then yeah, maybe a different guy calling the plays, different guy, different position coaches or something like that. Yeah, sure. Um, but I think if you give these guys a year two, a lot of these guys might be able to take, take a step forward or get in guys that actually are built for a scheme like this. Um, and that kind of brings me, I'll probably do a whole show on it, but what do you do with a guy like Daniel Hunter? who's very clearly more at home in a true 4-3 where he can have his hand in the dirt all day. Um, That's not what we are, and it's not what we're going to be. So do you try to continue to transition him into this, which could have success, or do we say, all right, Daniil Hunter is going to be better elsewhere. Let's see if we can't sell him off, probably get a first-round pick for him. He's a superstar. Um, And then try to move from there. 
could see that working out as well. And, and that's a decision I think I need to think about more before I'm really like, I'm ready, but I'll probably do a whole show on it in the off season, honestly, which by the way, if you aren't familiar, if you're new to Locked On Vikings, we stay five a week uh, through the whole off season. Um, so yep. Every single day is a daily show. So please stick with us in the off season. We'll be talking about cap. We'll be talking about the draft later. I uh, got some pretty fun plans for the summer. So yeah. Um, but, but with a guy like Hunter, or this can extend to, to Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks, these are inherited players that were brought in to be a part of what someone else built. And what Mike Zimmer built is not what this team is building. And I don't think you want it to be what this team is building, right? The whole point of firing Zimmer is let's bring in something, something different, but something different doesn't happen overnight. And so you're going to have these kind of square peg in a round hole kind of things. Um, I think it's justifiable to get rid of just about anybody on the defense, players, staff, anybody. I, I don't think that there's a single person that I go, eh, I'd rather keep him depending on what the price is and stuff. Um, but I, nothing, we talked about it on the postcast with Sam, nothing is bolted down. And that means that next year you might have a totally new unit and then you're going to have to deal with first year things with them and all that. And this is a process. There is going to, you're not going to have a guy jump into a franchise and have everyone be perfectly comfortable and everything is right there all the time. Right. I say by year three of a, a regi- regime of Quasi and Kevin O'Connell, people should be in their right positions, feeling comfortable with where they are. And we should more or less have a sense of what this is supposed to look like. We don't have that on defense year one. And it showed in this game, it was exposed in this game, and the Giants just straight up beat them with no crazy stuff, no stupid trick stuff, no unsustainable stuff, just getting beat. And that really sucks. It it sucks to see a season like this go out because of the problem that you've had all year. I mean, of course, it was going to be the same problem you had all year. Um, But because of a problem that feels like it could have been fixed. And it wasn't. And that's a failure. Um, what you want to do to, I, I, I don't want to get rid of people to punish that failure. You know, making roster and team building decisions punitively is a recipe for disaster. That's never the way to go. Um, but if you want to make those roster and staff decisions with and the aim of becoming a better version of the Fangio style defense, this was supposed to be, I, there are certainly DC options that I think would do better than, the, than Donatel. Um, and if you can bring one of those guys in, I would, I would probably support the move. Um, he's also an older guy, so maybe you don't even have to worry about this, but let's, that's enough on that. I, I will get into the Donatel thing. I'll probably do a whole show on Donatel and Hunter and, and all of these guys. We've got all the time in the world in the offseason to do all these shows. So let, let's talk about the offense. Um, Jefferson Hawkinson, that last play, all that stuff. Uh, but first, Thanks again to uh, Prize Picks for helping me bring you today's episode. Prize Picks is daily fantasy, but it is not building a whole. Uh, it's just you versus the house. It's not building a whole lineup and then going into a, a big pool of a whole bunch of people. It's just you, a few of your favorite players, uh, better than worse than. They've just got their Prize Picks projection. All you got to do is say, "I think you're right. I think you're wrong, right?" Or "I think that they're going to do better. I think they're going to do worse." Uh, and if you're right, you can win. 
up to 10 times your money. They have more than just football as well. So you can keep playing prize picks with NBA or NHL or even crazy like table tennis. They've got all kinds of stuff if you explore the site. So go to prizepicks.com and enter promo code locked on. You get a 100% match up to 100 bucks. That's promo code locked on at prizepicks.com for that 100% deposit match. Or you put in 50 bucks, uh, get 50 slammed right on top of it. Put in 100 bucks, get 100 slammed right on top of it. That is, once again, promo code locked on at prizepicks.com. I also want to talk to you about, uh, or I want to extend a thank you to another sponsor of today's episode, which is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is therapy made easier. It is um, a way to hook yourself up with the right therapist. When you, a lot of people go to therapy and they have a bad experience with like one person that just isn't right for them. And they think all therapy is like that. They'll never touch it again. Don't let that become you go to BetterHelp and use their tools to help you get hooked up with a licensed and professional therapist. And you can do all of this hundred percent online. That means you can do, you can do it via like a video chat if you want, or you can just do phone calls if you're more comfortable with that, or you might even be able to find somebody who you can physically go to if that was what you can prefer. They can even do like uh, non-consecutive texting where it's just a, a, a kind of continuous chat that you can get back to whenever you want. It is whatever is right for you. And that's a really important thing with therapy. And that is why I am grateful to BetterHelp. So get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Thanks again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. You can also check out Locked On NFL. You can find me there on Tuesdays with Ross Jackson, breaking down all the wild card weekends. So you can get all my takes on all the other games. At least we didn't have to endure what happened to the Chargers. Hug a Chargers fan, everyone, because that's that's a lot rougher. This one, this one will wear off. I think the Chargers one will be with them for the rest of their lives. Um, let's talk about the offense. So I thought the Vikings did a much better job protecting, and they didn't get blitzed as much. At least O'Connell said that they didn't get blitzed as much. And on on my live, I was at the game, so on my like live viewing, I, that does seem to track. Um, well, I mean, people chart this, so you can just look it up later if you want, but. Um, they did not get the crazy wink. I mean, they were still a lot of blitzing, but less than the first game. And I think they did a better job of keeping, keeping Kirk Cousins clean. And there was no margin for error at all for the offense. And they came up just a little bit short, but they had to be essentially perfect to win this game. And they weren't, um, because of how bad the defense played. So this, this game's on the defense, 95% of it's on the defense. There's some blemishes with the offense and some stuff that they can look at and maybe work on. But I, I kind of said on the postcast, this is not a side of the ball where you're looking at it and saying, okay, everything needs to change. You know, on defense, you're going, man, I could see four people returning on that defense and everybody else being a new face or like Lewis seen, you know, or somebody that didn't start Asamoa, you know, somebody that takes over principal starters will change on that unit. People are like, there's going to be turnover in the offense. You're like, I don't know, maybe something happens with Thielen. He's got a weird contract. You know, you're, uh, Garrett Bradbury is a free agent now, so you got to figure out what to do with that. Like, there's little pieces, but it's largely the same unit, and I think that that's good. I the, the offense feels like it is a more actualized version of what Kevin O'Connell wants it to be. Um, and I think we saw that Justin Jefferson got taken out of this game, they were doubling him all day. They had a Dory Jackson shadow press, 
guy over the top. That's all they needed, right? And you got to figure out how to beat that. That is that that got Justin Jefferson taken away from the entire game for four games, I think, that a team really did that and got you, and you only won one of them, and it was against the Lions in the early season before they figured a lot of their stuff out. Um, so you you've got to fix that, right? Or five games, maybe. I think all the losses had that. Um, except uh the Lions lost. The Lions went a different way and kind of found a different way. But the the way to beat that might not be find ways to get Jeff, Justin Jefferson out of that. It might just be ways to punish the safety for for playing over the top of Jefferson, right? And I think the Vikings did find some of that with Hawkinson. Hawkinson had a huge game and had a huge game against the Giants before as well. Um TJ Hawkinson was like the lifeblood of this offense. And that's awesome, right? For a guy who who came in in half of the season, you know, in the middle of the season. Um, I, it's also like when you trade for a guy in the middle of the season, you can kind of expect a leap for the next year. And he did have games where he didn't really do much, right? And maybe you can find more consistency when he gets to go through a whole camp, you know, and you get a little bit more chemistry. There were absolutely issues this year with chemistry between TJ Hawkinson and Kirk Cousins, you know, where the, the ball was just not quite where it was supposed to be, or the timing was just not quite where it was supposed to be, or, um, you know, the read wasn't quite the same as it was supposed to be. And you can, ex- you, you can expect that stuff to go away um, with the, with, with TJ Hawkinson to some degree. And if it doesn't, you can be disappointed by that. Um, and I think, that there's a lot of stuff this year. And, and this is what I'll say about O'Connell on the whole. It was his first year. And while I think kind of saying, well, they'll just go 13 and four again is pretty insane. I do think that there are improvements you can expect that will just naturally come by people being in their second year in the system, in particular, Kirk Cousins. Um, I think with a little more comfort and an off season to really think about it and another camp, I think you can expect more consistent timings because his timings, sometimes they were a little low or a little slow. Sometimes they were a little fast. I think you can expect more consistency and you can be disappointed if you don't see it. Um, And that's great. That's awesome news. But in this game, if Jefferson gets taken away and it means that you can put up 24 points with other guys without Jefferson doing that. That's where you need this offense to be because people are going to do it. They're just going to devote resources to Jefferson if that's the only pitch that you have. So I think the offense maybe ran too much through Jefferson as good as he is. A little bit of diversity in choices and options is probably going to be a good thing for the defense, for the offense. And, you know, we'll talk in the off season about if that means bringing in a new person or if it just means scheming up more Hawkinson looks so you can have an offensive day like this. I think you can be fairly happy with the offensive day, but then you've got the fourth and eight. <laughs> so fourth and eight end of the game. Um, the Vikings had forced two punts all game, right? And they had battled their way back, but they, once again, the defense dis- dissolved, let up a touchdown 24, 31, Three minutes to go. Vikings didn't even get past midfield. Um, just awful, right? But it was a good enough offensive day where you're not going to pin the game on them, but that sequence was awful. Um, you have K.J. Osborne losing on a contested catch. You have the final play, which was um, a three verts. I think they, they'll call it like a tax special, like all-go special. 
um, where you've got two fades on the outside and then you have KJ Osborne attacking the middle of the field, basically trying to split the two safeties. Right. But he's got, they're playing like a, um, I think they might've actually been playing just a man look like a two man look. I think um, I, I've only seen the dots, not the all 22. So grain of salt, but KJ Osborne couldn't get separation. The other two guys couldn't get separation. Cousins gets pressure from Dexter Lawrence. I want to say it was Bradbury that got beat, and Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland both had nightmare days. I think Ed Ingram had a great day, but I, that's only on my live watch. So check back with me once I've watched the tape. But um, those guys are beat real bad by Dexter Lawrence. One of those two guys is beat real bad by Dexter Lawrence, and he's in Cousins' lap, right? So Cousins just is like, he said he felt like he just had to get rid of it and put the ball in play, which really sucks because it's like, give your guy a chance. And Kevin O'Connell even went up on the podium and said, well, he's got to give a guy a chance there. Um, instead, he throws underneath to TJ Hawkinson, who ran a horrifically bad choice route. He's coming back to the ball way too much, catches it two yards past the line of scrimmage, gets tackled, right? Um, bunch of things go wrong on this play. Guys need to win on their on routes. I think KJ's got to stand up to to contact a little bit better. You got to block for it better. I think um, Cousins could have thrown the ball up to either KJ or Thielen. I think um, KJ was a little bit interceptiony, but like it's fourth and eight with the game on the line. What's the incomplete tackle behind the line and interception are all the same thing. So you shouldn't be as scared of it. Um, the one throw I don't think he could have made was Jefferson there was a safety lurking over the top of it and that's getting picked off or broken up every single time. Um, there's just nothing you can do about that. And cousin said as much after the game and people are ripping him a little bit for it. I don't think that's fair, but I think what O'Connell was hinting at was that he thought cousins should have thrown it up to Thielen who was one-on-one was covered, but was one-on-one and maybe you throw it up and try to win a contested ball, which I think has a better chance than Hawkinson did. But Hawkinson's got to break a tackle. He's also got to flatten out his route better. That was a really, really imprecise uh, option route, which Hawk confirmed after the game it was uh, an option route, and it was really bad. He had an incredible game. Like I don't want to go too hard on him for it, but that was a bad play, and then he just got to break the tackle once he gets it. Couldn't break the tackle on a corner. You're a big tight end. Run over the guy. Um, so a, a, a bummer of a way for that game to end because Cousins all year, I mean, Cousins' career has been defined by those moments, right? Where, well, but the read took me to this. And you say, well, yeah, the read did take you to throw underneath on fourth and eight, but be aware that the dynamics change. And and O'Connell kind of, he's not ripping Cousins, right? But he was, I think he was hinting, and I think he does think this, that it's, you know, you got to play free there. Whatever the progression is, okay, whatever, throw the ball up, Right be more situationally aware The situational masters was the whole story of the season. Um, and not getting there on that play is a huge disappointment. Um, look, it is the off season and I want to sort of wrap this season up by talking about some of that stuff. It's, it's such an ironic way for the, for the season to end. Um, but there's a lot more to the 2022 season than this game. I think there should be. I think it should be remembered for more than that. And so let's remember it. Let's put our money where our mouth is and remember it. Um, but first, a lot of you I know love the offseason. You love uh, free agency and, and cap stuff and the draft and trading for the right players. And if you want to scratch that itch, that is what Ultimate Football GM is for. It's my new favorite phone app. Um, I'm going to be playing it a whole bunch on, the, on in the airport uh, tomorrow, I know. 
and it is that it is the, like a NFL team simulator where you have to trade for the right players. You have to do a draft. You have to figure out contracts and do offers and negotiate with your players and get your staff and stuff. And you can even do it really long-term. You can draft a player, have him play a whole career, hire him as a coach after. Um, really cool stuff. Locked on Vikings listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when they use promo code LOCKED ON in all caps in the game store. That's LOCKED ON in all caps. So make sure you check it out today. To download the game, you can just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. So I know for a lot of you, this might be the last time we talk until next season. And if that's the case, no worries. I'll see you then. But I do, again, please listen to the offseason or, or, you know, come back for draft season or whatever you want. I'll certainly be making stuff. I hope you come listen to it. But for people who I'm, I'm not going to talk to for a while, let me leave you with this. The 2022 season was special. It was really fun. Um, I know that probably feels really hollow because – you know, you're kind of coming off of they didn't, but they, but where did it take us? Right. They didn't go anywhere in the playoffs. And I get that. Um, but if there's one thing I learned this year, and a lot of this, I learned through doing the history doc, which I did on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL, just click on the history of the Vikings tab. You'll find it all there free to watch. Um, if, if I learned one thing doing that, it is that Sports are about so much more than who wins and who loses. Um, and I, I mean, look at me. I didn't play sports. All right. I'm a little Poindexter guy. I would have broken in half. And so that's something that I think you, you need to find. If, if you're like me and you didn't play, right? Um, it's something you need to find that appreciation for. Or maybe rediscover that appreciation for if you played a long, long time ago. And you don't remember what it was like. But sports are about a lot more than that. And I think this season was really good for that. Um, because I, you know, 13 and four, I don't think anybody thinks that they were actually as good of a 13 and four team as like Buffalo, right. Or they were 13 and three, but whatever. Right. Um, I don't think anybody think, thinks that, and that's what you're going to hear all off season was that they're frauds and blah, blah, blah. And they won all these one score games and that'll regress. So they're, they're going to be seven and 10 next year. And uh, maybe, or maybe they will be 17 and up. We never know. And predicting it is worthless. Um, but there's so much to appreciate about the way this team came together after really being apart and demoralized at the end of the, of, of the Zimmer regime. You know, the end of 2021 was truly the end of a chapter, and this was the beginning of a new one. And to have the season that they had, even if you, you decide I'm going to discount four of their wins and say they were just nine and eight, if they came in and went nine and eight, first year head coach, players that don't fit your defensive scheme, all that stuff, and you say, all right, you got them to to, to above five hundred, we probably still feel pretty good about that as the start to the O'Connell regime. Um, and I think they won so much that we already upped our expectations. Right? Nobody is comparing this team. Nobody's talking about this team the way that they talked about the Giants, and we saw that going in really. The way he talked about the Giants was, man, Brian Dable did so much for a first year head coach. He was really behind the eight ball with that. Nobody really talked about that with the Vikings, which is the ultimate compliment because nobody sees Kevin O'Connell as a first year head coach. And he was, and he overcame those expectations so much. He set new ones for himself. Maybe he didn't reach those and that's going to drag the, 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 the national media's narrative on it and listen to as much of that as you don't want to. Um, 
But I think they've got a lot to be proud of, even though this they, they didn't go anywhere in the postseason. And they played together and they came together and leaders emerged, you know. Um, guys like Justin Jefferson being a leader and stuff, but guys like Josh Metellus, you know, Brian O'Neill, guys that'll be here, um, really emerged. That is, I think, worth appreciating. And as a fan, I had so much damn fun with this season. So much damn fun. That isn't ruined because they lost in the playoffs. You cannot take that away from me. Watching that Bills game was awesome. I'll remember it for the rest of my life. They set a comeback record. They set two comeback records. They did the most times and they had the biggest one. You'll never, ever take that away from me. No matter how much you say, yeah, but were they really that good? And what about the EPA per play? Who cares? Lame. It was awesome. It was so fun to watch. It was so gritty and there was so much heart. A lot of people are going to leave and, and that's how it goes. You know, I, I will never get the image out of my head of Alexander Madison sitting on the bench. I mean, he's a free agent now and I don't really see the Vikings bringing him back. I don't see why he would, um, you know, he's not going to be a second contract guy. He'll go, he might go start somewhere, but it won't be here. Um, that, I mean, he's such good friends with Dalvin cook. Those two guys are brothers and they are probably going to separate that's such a bummer for it to happen like that, you know, but this last hurrah, you know, like this, the, it's like a senior year of high school. It's just so much fun. And there's so much to remember. You're not going to remember the last moment of it. You know, Um, I don't think that's what the season gets remembered for. And I think that that's appropriate. I don't think it's what it should be remembered for is that they had a bad defensive game in the last one and that the giants beat them before going off to Philly and who knows what happens there. But I don't know. There's a lot of this season worth appreciating that you don't have to discount just because they lost. And that's the real point here. I, there's so many people on my Twitter mentions and stuff I don't, all the time, right? This is not just right now, but always that'll say, well, yeah, but none of that matters if you don't win a championship. And to that, I say you are wrong uh, horribly. You are absolutely, you do not know how to live if you think that. Um, I, I've said it before. There are kind of two kinds of sports fan. There's the kind of sports fan that loves the game, that just loves watching sports, that loves watch, see, you know, seeing the, the dynamics of it and, uh, you know, it, not just football, but watching the, the technique and who are the cool players and watching, you know, just love watch LeBron, watching LeBron James do his thing, do something really cool. Um, love just watching Josh Allen play. And then there's the kind of fan that can only get joy when their favorite team wins. And that can only get joy when their favorite team wins the championship. Everything else is, well, I'm not getting happy till they win the Super Bowl. And if you're that second kind of fan, you live in hell. You live in a terrible, terrible hell. And I think you should try to find joy elsewhere. You probably can, whether that joy comes from watching with family, whether it comes from, you know, like, like with me, I mean, I love watching with family, but with me, it's, it's very academic. You know, I, I love learning about the sport and breaking down the sport and teaching other people about the sport when I can. I love that kind of stuff. And, and you don't need to have won the game. You know, I'm, I'm going to break down this game, whether they win or they lose. Right. That's always going to be there. And I think as a, it's like, as a person, as a fan of sports, if your thought is, gosh, how, how could I be such an idiot to waste all my time all my Sundays this year when they didn't even win the Super Bowl. If you feel like you wasted your time, I think you should think about it a little harder. 
because if you watched this season with your family, with your friends, or even just with yourself and had fun, you didn't waste your time. Um, never feel like you wasted your time and never feel like you're an idiot for rooting for the Vikings. You didn't pick the Vikings because you thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. If you did that, you'd be a bandwagon fan. <laughs> um, so rooting for the Vikings doesn't make you dumb even when they lose. It just sucks. And we can grieve this and it should feel bad. Like it, it feels bad. It, it's we're grieving, right? This is sad. I'm, I'm. You can hear it in my voice. I'm upset. Um, but if you're not upset when your team loses in the playoffs, then football might not matter to you anymore. Like it should matter. It, it. Sh- you should feel it. And if you're not feeling it anymore because you've gotten so numb that you go, well, I expected this, so I'm not feeling like I don't know. If, if football doesn't matter to you anymore, then I guess I would have to ask, why are you still watching? You can have an answer to that question, but for me, it's always going to matter. And the day that these kinds of games don't break my heart, I'm going to feel like I've lost a part of myself. But honestly, as I have grown with this show, this is my fourth year doing this show now. Um, Four and a half, if you count the little bits of 2018. I have, my relationship to football has grown so much with all of you, and you've really become a part of that. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for, for coming along, especially people who've been there from the beginning, people who were with me back in the, the purple PTSD days too. I know there's a few of you. <laughs> um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this crazy journey and this crazy season. And now we're going to get what I think is going to be a buck wild off season. It's going to be a lot of turnover. Um, we'll talk about it. we got Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. So get your questions in at Luke Brown NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter, uh, Lockdown Vikings podcast at gmail.com. If you got something longer, send an email or just put that in the Google form in the show notes, leave a YouTube comment. I might see it. There's probably going to be a flood of random stuff. So maybe I won't, but um, give it a shot anyways. Get that stuff in, and uh, we'll we'll transition to the off season, which sucks. But hey, that's how it goes. Thirty one teams feel like this at some point, so it's our turn. Uh, I'll see you guys all tomorrow, and as always, skull.